0: title up there no higher honor and privilege it is to be a servant of the most high God and to take this gospel of Jesus Christ the good news and spread it and tell the world about it Amen? amen to proclaim it to announce it to preach it and to teach it and brother Tom really encouraged me as my youth pastor did as well because we used to travel around all over the states and minister and song and skits and So I knew at a young age that evangelism was important. And when I met with Pastor Tom two years ago in a little cafe in Milton, it was when I was still part-time here and I was wanting to let Van Gelder go full-time, which was 70 or 80 hours a week, and I felt God calling me to go full-time here, but I didn't have the courage or the oomph to say, okay, time to let the big salary go and the job to go and the security of it. Can I hear an amen? And say, Bye bye, adios. I'm going put my hand in the plow and I'm not looking back. Well, I got the confirmation that day in the cafe. And brother Tom, whose pastor started out when he was twenty six in Dixon, was there a while and went to another church in Duluth, Minnesota, and another church in Wisconsin, ended up back in Madison for the second time, actually. Second time that he so he's been pastoring thirty some years. And he looked at me in that little cafe, Pastor Judy. And he said, when are you going to quit your job and go full-time pastoring? And he, now when Tom speaks, he's very bold. He's very strong and he's very just a man of God. He's a man of prayer. He's in the word. He just, I mean, he's just a man of God. I can't put it any other way. And he's very humble too. And he looked at me and he says, you're the man for the job. Now quit your job and put your two-week notice in. Go do it in faith. Trust the Lord. And I took him at his word and I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm just stepping out. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to do it. And I put my notice in and man, the peace of God and the blessing of God came all over me. Amen. Sometimes we need that little push. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't look at me like that. I might push you. Amen. Because we're we're not going to be a stagnant little church here that sits by and by and has our nice little family here and and meets every Sunday and no growth and no outreach. No, no, no. You're at the wrong church. We're going to minister. We're going to occupy until he comes. It's 2019. We may not have much time left. And we need to do what we have to do now. If Jesus' very last words on the earth were, Go, therefore, And preach the gospel to all the nations and make disciples of all nations he that was his not suggestion to them it was a command his last words before he ascended up how important are your very last words it's pretty important in other words the Lord is saying take this pretty serious disciples and followers of mine and Jesus knew that millions of believers after he said those words would read those words in a book he knew what he was saying and why he said it and the timing of why he said it cuz he knew that it's very important that as believers you're not here for self. You're here because, the same reason I came to seek and to save the lost. You can't save anybody. I can't save a soul, but the one that lives on the inside of us can minister through us and bring that conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts them and they repent. And cuz they have a will. You can't force anybody to get saved or born again but you can be a witness, a light, an ambassador, one that shows them and tells them the truth. Amen? So we want to remember there's no higher and honor and privilege there is by a believer that we have been given to proclaim and be associated with the Lord in this great work of bringing a lost world to a knowledge of the truth. What an honor and a privilege you and I have, and especially even more so because you and I are in the last days. How much more exciting should it be? Amen? And I shared with you a while ago the dream I had on February 12th, early in the morning, that I was walking up and down on 11th Street, and I don't believe it's coincidental. I believe with all my heart it was a dream from the Lord, and he was saying when I woke up, he said, "Go when the weather starts warming up and breaks... He says, go and minister to those on that street. Walk up and down that street and pray for those that are lost, those that need deliverance, those that need to be set free, and go and minister to them. And I believe one of the reasons why is because I, as a pastor, need to set an example for you as sheep and followers. Because Paul said, follow me and do as I do. And I'm not saying follow me and everything, but at least in the evangelistic way, follow what I'm about to do. And that's one thing I kind of argued with Pastor Tom in that cafe. We always have the but. Don't, you know, Moses said, yeah, but, Lord, I stutter, I stumble, yeah, but. J- you know, Jonah, yeah, I, w- I like, like to preach and tell them, Lord, in Nineveh, but I don't want to. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go there. It's always the buts. I don't, I'm not able, I can't. I, I, excuses start pouring out. I did the same thing. But Tom, I'm more of an evangelistic. I never even really wanted to be a pastor. And, and I said, can I, this is what I said to Tom, I said, can I still reach the lost and be a pastor? He goes, absolutely. He slammed his, absolutely. He goes, you can be an evangelistic pastor. And boy, when he said that, a light went on. And he said, Matt, don't you realize I may not be an evangelistic pastor like you are. I may be more of a prophetic teacher, or I may be more of this kind of teacher or a pastor, but you can be an evangelistic pastor and still be a pastor and reach the lost. Amen? So that's why I have to emphasize you're in a church where your pastor is evangelistic because that is my main purpose and goal on this earth and always has been, even from the days when General Shepherd was down at 15th Avenue. When we would have guest speakers come and I would get called out, it was your mama, you're not grandma called and you're not mama called, you're God called. And you're called to reach the lost and that was always my desire, to reach lost souls for the Lord. So let's go right to the first scripture here. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the reason I bring up these scriptures is this is why you and I need to learn to be soul winners. You and I need to be soul winners. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago me and Diana went to an estate sale and I didn't want to go at first, but then when I walked in I was thrilled because i seen a table of all Christian literature and there was a stack of old books. Well, here's one of them that just caught my attention. This is the first book i seen on the table and I just got excited. I don't even know who the author is, to be honest with you. It's just the title caught my eye. Guess what it says, Personal Soul Winning. As soon as I seen that title, my spirit leaped on the inside of me, and I grabbed, and that's when I seen the other books. But it's by William Evans. The the year this book was written, guess what year? 1910. This man was mentored by R.A. Torrey. Yeah, so he he spent two years, and R.A. Torrey ministered to this man, Mr. Evans, and told him, William Evans pastored for years and years and years. And he said the number one goal of you as a pastor is for you personally to become a personal soul winner. That is one of the most important things you have to teach your congregation is that you be a soul winner. And let me read something real quick out of here. I want this, 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 this grabbed my attention so much that I wanted to share it with you. And it's not very long, but I want you to, it's not going to be up there. So keep, pay attention to what this says. It is not enough to be evangelical. How many believe that General Shepherd is an evangelical church? We re- that means we have a desire and an unction and a command from the Lord to reach the lost. We're evangelical. An evangelist preaches and teaches the gospel and presents the good news of what Christ did at the cross so that people can be saved from what? From sin, from themselves, and from hell for eternity. That's just the truth. It is not enough to be evangelical, we must be evangelistic. And I declare and decree that General Shepherd will not just be evangelical, this church will be evangelistic. Evangelistic means an army on the march with every face towards the enemy. Now that's evangelistic. Evangelical sings this, hold the fort for I am coming. Now that's evangelical, hold the fort for I am coming. Evangelical, an evangelist sings, storm the fort for God is leading. Do you get the difference? Hold the fort down, we're coming, we're on our way. Evangelistic type church says, we're storming the fort and God's going before us. We're going to hit the streets, the highways, and the byways, and we have no fear. And I heard a man of God on the radio a couple months ago, he was a pastor, and he said that this, and he was a pastor out of California, and he said, we need to start having pastors in America that are fearless. Where they don't fear man and they're not here to please God. Man, they're here to fear the Lord, and they are fearless pastors where they are going to the highways and the byways in, and showing their church to be an example that we are here to win souls before the Lord comes. Amen? So we want to be not just evangelical. That's, that's more doctrinal, and that's very important, but we want to be evangelistic. The need of the church is not evangelism as a thing to fight for, but evangelism as a force to fight with. Ooh, listen to that statement. We are a force to reckon with. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Amen? It doesn't mean we stir up strife and we start arguing about this and debating on that. I'm not going out on the highways and the byways and 11th Street and that to argue doctrine out there. I'm telling you right now, that's not in me to debate and argue. If they want to do that, have a good day. I'm out moving on. I'm going to reach the lost and to pray for those that are sick and those that are looking for answers and, and desiring a touch from the Lord. Amen? You're always going to have the heretic and the namesayers and you're always going to have those that argue little doctrines and nitpick. We're not here for that. We, want, we don't have time for that. We need to occupy and redeem the time for what? The days are evil. Amen? For God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We are to reach the lost, and we are to be Christ-like and followers of Jesus. And Jesus came not to condemn the world. You and I are not to condemn the lost. We are to be evangelistic and reach the lost. Because they need to be saved. I wrote something down here. A couple things I wrote down. You and I are to reach the lost, and it's not the person next to you, your right or your left, or the person sitting behind you. You, as a believer, have a responsibility and accountability to reach those around you in your life. And usually, more often than not, it's not going to be you reaching your immediate family. Don't get discouraged because brother, sister, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, or all cousins aren't going to get saved because of you. That may, You may not be the ones to reach your immediate family. You may be one or two or three here. You don't know. But typically, it's not family that we reach. What are we saved from? Why are we trying to win souls? Why do we want to be soul winners? Romans 5.9 says this, Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. They need to be saved from God's wrath, period. That's what the scripture says. We've been justified as we put our faith in Christ and what He did for us. We're justified. We're now have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We're now accepted. He did for us. We saved from the wrath of God that is to come. How many believe the wrath of God is still to come? Oh, come on now. What does the Bible say? The wrath of God is coming in such a profound way that earth and nobody in the earth has ever seen it. And there's days coming on this earth that no man has ever seen this kind of wrath. And you and I need to have a desire in our heart and a love in our heart for people so strong that we don't want them to have that wrath come on them. And it's very unselfish. Amen. Amen. I have more of a stirring now. You want to know why? Can I tell you why? We are to have our, our... Ministry, enlarge. Remember, it says, Lord, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my sphere, S-P-H-E-R-E, my sphere of influence be greater, Lord, for your name and for your glory and your honor. And now I have more of a little, a little tingle in my tummy, so to speak, because I can even say it right now. Those of you that are listening on your phone or on the Internet... Right now on our website listen to what I'm about to say you and I if you're a believer out there and you're listening and if you're in this church right now and you're listening and you're a born-again believer you have a you have an accountability and a And a responsibility to tell those in your life and those that you come in contact with as often as possible that you need to come to know Christ. They need the Savior. need that love flowing out of you and have that burning on the inside of you that you are to reach the lost because they are about to experience the wrath of God. And if they die in their sin or die on their deathbed before knowing Christ as their Savior, what is their outcome? It's hell for eternity. It's not anything less than that. It is hell for eternity. And ask yourself this question, and I'm going to ask myself this question. I'm looking myself in the mirror right now. If soul winning was your job, Pastor Matt, would you still be employed? If soul winning was your job, which it is all of our jobs as believers, Jesus said, go ye. He didn't say sit still and go to church every Sunday, and that's pretty good. Just believe in me. Have a heart of love for your neighbor and just, you know, love a little here and there. No, he said, you go, therefore, occupy till I come. Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. In other words, do something. Be busy with the Lord and and active in the Lord's kingdom and in his family. Amen? Have a heart for those beyond your own self. Amen? So if the question again, if soul winning was your job, would you still be good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be employed. I want to be, I want to be a soul winner. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I, I was a soul winner. I, when I, before I was, a, I was a soul winner when I was delivering Mr. Peer juice. Back in the late 80s, I had a route, and I would deliver juice, and I every day I said, Lord, use me. Use me for your glory and your honor. I want to reach people. I want to reach souls for you, Lord. I'm not here just for self. I want to, reach, I want to have a heart for the love like you did, Jesus, and you came to seek and to save the lost. You came that we might know Christ, and that those that are lost and blinded and deceived by Satan and his lies and his deception, for he's an angel of light, but he's deceiver, and he's a liar, and he always has been. And he lies to them and tells them this or that. That's why there's all these doctrines. That's why there's all these false gods. That's why there's all this hypocrisy and occults and all that. They believe a lie, period. It's up to you and I to be the light in the darkness and tell them the truth. Open your mouth. Don't be a, a 007 for Christ. Don't be a secret agent. You be a witness and an ambassador. And I still remember, uh, there's been many times, I remember back, Brother Cecil, back when I had that Mr. Peer route, I still remember uh, one time on, on East State Street by Uncle Nick's. How many of you know where Uncle Nick's is? There used to be a Christian bookstore across the street. Well, across the street was a bar. I used to deliver to bars. Oh, my goodness, and you were a Christian? Well, that was my route. I delivered orange juice. And I, I, went, I remember getting out of my truck and witnessing from my parking lot of the truck up to the, to the bar walking down the sidewalk. And the, the Lord would just come on me, and I would walk by. Them. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Lord? You, or I would have a word for them. And sometimes they would come up to my window on the side of my truck, and they would ask a question. I'd say, you know what? The Lord loves you. The Lord has a plan for your life. And he died for you and gave himself for you. you, Are you born again? Do you know the Lord? If you were to die today, do you really know where you would go? Well, no, I never thought of that. Well, you need to. It's a very serious issue to think about. Most people don't realize the most important decision you ever make is not the house you buy or the car you buy or or the education you get. The most important decision you and I can ever make is where you're going to go when you die. Where are you going to go when you breathe your last breath? You're going somewhere for eternity. You better know where you're going and not just hope. You better have an answer and know for sure. And Because the Bible says our life is like a shadow. It's like a vapor. It's very short. I still remember, how many know where Ninth uh, Street is? I can't, Longwood Meat, is it, is it called Longwood Grocery? I had my, my juice truck sitting there, and I had my window open. It was nice weather. How many can't wait for that? I can just sit with the window down, actually. That'd be nice. And this, this gal walked by. She was probably in her 20s looked really frail, and had a little baby in her arms. And the Spirit of God came on me as she walked right by my truck. And I said, ma'am, I don't mean to startle you, and I don't mean to be rude or anything, but can I pray for your baby? I just feel like the Lord wants me to lay hands on your baby. And she started crying. She goes, absolutely. And I said, can I ask you something? Why did God put it on my heart so strong to pray for your baby? And she said that it was just born recently, and it's born crack. it was born a crack baby. So it needs prayer. And I laid hands on that little baby right there at my truck, right in the parking lot. That is what God wants you and I to begin to do on a regular basis. Now, come on. It's not the person next to you or behind you. It's you, you and me. We need to take those extra steps. Like Pastor Judy says, if you go to Schnucks, you go to Walmart, you go to Walgreens, like Pastor Judy, she makes it an effort in her mind, in her thoughts. She may be there to pick up prescriptions for her or Pastor or whatever. It might be, but in the back of her mind, in her forefront, and she's thinking always, how can I be a witness as I'm standing in line? Maybe I can pray for somebody. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody and not even said a word, but you're praying, Lord, I pray you open their heart. May they come to know you. Just like the Spirit of God comes on you over somebody in a public place. Amen? It's called the Holy Spirit wanting you to reach out to them through prayer, through witnessing, interceding for them. Amen? Hallelujah. We want to have that heartbeat. The heartbeat of heaven. And look what Luke 9:56 says, "Is this powerful or what? For the Son of Man did not come to, de- to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Raise your hand if you need your life saved. Hallelujah. You can't live this life in victory and triumph without the Lord. You need His help. I need His help every moment of every day. It's called the grace and mercy of God. Hallelujah. And he came to save them, not to destroy them. And they went to another village. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 8, the church was greatly persecuted. And a lot of the prophets that are speaking today are saying that there is a great persecution coming. There's a great persecution coming around the world, like it's going to be a strong, difficult persecution. But you know what? Sometimes persecution puts pressure on, and the Bible says adversity reveals the strength of a man adversity reveals the strength of a man or a woman when you have adversity it's going to your true colors are going to come out are you going to crumble and get all fearful and worry and and get all nervous and anxious you are the pressure going to come the end time pressure or the persecution you going to say come on i have you you just reckon with a force because the spirit of god lives on the inside of me and i'm going to my grave being a soul winner i'm going to go to my grave loving the lost and caring about lost souls so let the persecution come let it come rattle this church shake this city Come against Christians all you want. The devil is defeated, God is exalted, and Jesus Christ is coming soon. And when persecution came in the book of Acts, and that church was persecuted, and it was a great persecution so much that they had to scatter to, to different parts of the nation, other areas, regions. They were scattered that far because they were taking their lives What do you think happened in the book of Acts? Do you think the church cowered and hid in little caves or hid in their little houses and, oh my goodness, don't come and get me. Hallelujah, persecution came and that church rose up and look what it says. After that, they were scattered. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. They went everywhere. They scattered them and forced them out. And they didn't didn't cower, they didn't hide, they didn't be quiet, they didn't hush, they didn't whisper. They went preaching the gospel even all the more. Hallelujah. That's why many came to Christ, because the church rose up in strength, in courage, in boldness. Look at that picture right there. What's behind the little lamb? A lion. You serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. He lives on the inside of you. He is strong and mighty and powerful, and when you lay hands or you speak or you witness to people, the power of God comes out of us. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you because He lives in you, and that life, that hope that the world is looking for and seeking for is actually on the inside of each one of us as believers. And they are really, to be honest with you, they're longing for it, they're looking for it, they're craving it, they're hungering for it. I don't care who they are, rich, famous, it doesn't matter who they are. They're looking for one thing and one thing only, and that is a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, period. That is what every human being is looking for and longing for. That is the void that everybody has in their life. It comes down to a relationship of intimacy and love with their creator and the one that gave his life for them, Jesus Christ. If they find it anywhere else, it's not going to satisfy. It won't. And neither will the Snickers, as much as I love them. They satisfy for about two minutes. Same thing with the ways of the world. The same thing, whether it's Scientology, whether it's love of materialism, whether it's seeking after riches, seeking after fame, seeking after this or that. It's all empty, void, and in vain, unless it has Jesus Christ. Don't believe what the... Liar and those that are saying, and I'll even say her name, Oprah Winfrey says there's many ways to Jesus Christ. There's many ways to heaven. No, No, there isn't. There's one way. There's one way to heaven, and it's narrow. It is not wide. The world says you can go this way, that way, and still go there. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There's one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And that's why in a couple weeks from now, you and I will be celebrating his resurrection because he proved he was the way, the truth, and the life. he, He did exactly what he said he would do. He died, and after three days, what would happen? He rose again. And he rose again because he's God in the flesh. He's deity. Amen. Hallelujah. How could you and I not want to tell others the good news of what Jesus has done? Amen? What a great honor and privilege it is to be in the last days and in the church of Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this old song. I've never heard this song. And I'm not saying I'm not old. I'm just saying I've never heard this song. Well, of course, this book was written in 1910. Hello. My dad wasn't even born. My dad was born in 1929. 1929. But how many believe that 1910 to those that were born in the 1500s is, I mean, come on, just look at it in perspective here. This book was written a lot longer than this book. And this book has every word in this book from the beginning to the end, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. Every word in this book of the Bible is pure and true. You can't say this about books that have been written. Because it's written by man. Listen to what I'm saying. This book was written by a pastor who was a godly man, loved the Lord, feared the Lord. This book, the Bible, was written by man through the power of the Holy Spirit. This book was written by God. This book is eternal, and every word in this book, the Bible, is gonna last for all of eternity. There's no guarantee this book will. This one will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to this song of this, this the words of this old song. It says this. Now, this can be a prayer for you and I. I wish I would have gave you the PowerPoint, Cecil, but try to remember and li- just listen for a second, you guys, what the words of this song are saying, and may this be a prayer for you and for me in our heart. Listen to this. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part, Lord, Lord, Win that soul through me. Win that soul through me that they might know Thee. I'm going to read that again. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me, Lord. And may I humbly do my part to win that soul to You, Lord. Amen. Lord, God, may we have a burden and a heart and a love for souls, Lord. Lay a soul on each of our hearts, Lord. And may we be soul winners. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us if we haven't been soul winners like we should. We get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of life. We make our excuses. But Lord, forgive us for our excuses today, Lord. And we just want to occupy and do the work of the ministry, and that is reaching those that are lost. You came to seek me, Lord, who was lost. Thank you. I want to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are lost, deceived, and blinded, that they would come to a knowledge of the truth, Lord, and know the only way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus wants our undivided attention. In the book of Luke chapter 9, Jesus said he was questioned by a man, and he said, And at this point, many were coming to him, and Jesus would simply say, come and follow me. He would simply say, come and follow me. And one man said to him, but Lord, I need to go bury my father first. I need to go bury him. He evidently passed away. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. In other words, Jesus wasn't saying be insensitive, that's your dad. Don't be insensitive about that. But Jesus was trying to make a point to him and to all the church. It's a priority as you become, the day you come born again, now you serve the living God. He is a jealous God and he has a kingdom. And you are in that kingdom and you're part of that family. But he has a mission and assignment for you now as a daughter and a son. You have to do something on earth, not just here shooting from the hip and doing what you, ever, what you want to do. No, you're here now with an assignment, and that is to preach and teach and love people to Christ, to help them come to know him so his family can grow. And he said, no man is worthy to be my disciple and follow me if he sets his hand to the plow and keeps doing this. And he lets go of the plow and, wait, wait, i got to go back. I, I got things to do. No, you set your hand to the plow and you say, no matter what, I am going to serve the Lord and I'm going to be a soul winner until the day I breathe my last breath. Amen? And that, if that beats so hard in you, you may be in a hospital somewhere. You may be in a hospital somewhere and you know that you're even ill and not even doing well yourself, but in deep down within your own heart, this is beating on the inside of you. Lord, how can I win that nurse to you? Lord, how can I minister to that doctor that's going to be coming in in 20 minutes? Lord, how can I win those that come into this room? Lord, I want to have a heart for those that are in this hospital. Lord, I may be needy, needy. I may be needy right now in this hospital room and in this bed myself, but still it beats on the inside of you so strongly, you're still desiring to win the lost even though you're needy. That is where I want you guys to be. Hallelujah? Amen. When I go to visit those in the hospital... I don't just go because it's a pastoral thing to do and it's nice and it makes you look merciful and kind. And I'm not bragging here. I'm just telling you by example what I do. I pray in tongues in my car all the way to that hospital. Whether it's visiting Mike... Visiting Jim Weber, whether is visiting Pastor Al, Sammy. I don't go there just because it's a pastoral thing to do. I'm praying in tongues, and when I get out of that car and I'm in the parking lot, Lord, use me. I pray, God, that you, uh, that you would be a witness through me and a light in this dark place. I, Lord, I pray that somehow I can be a minister more than just who I'm going to visit today. That even as I walk through the hallways, when they walk by me, they feel the presence and the love of God. May your love be on my face so strongly. They may not even know me, but Lord, when I'm in the elevator and I'm in there and there's strangers and there may be three or four or five of them, Lord, I pray right now, just convict them of sin. And Lord, draw them with your love and by your mercy right now. May they sense something powerful in this I do that when I go to the courtroom and I'm in the courtroom in the elevator. I'm praying right there then, Lord, I don't know this person here or this person, but Lord, draw them right now. Convict them. Draw them. them. May they come to a knowledge of the truth. May they feel the presence and the love of God right now because it's on the inside of each one of us. Amen? And you may not be able to say something right then or speak something directly, but you can pray and intercede at that moment. Amen? That's having the heart of Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? We must speak the words of truth and reason, just like Paul did. He, he was accused, and he was, he was found really not guilty of anything, and he said, I can't help it. I must speak the words of truth and reason. I have to. It's in me. Proverbs 11.30 says this, and I'll end with this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. How many here are righteous through the blood of Christ? The tree of, righteous, of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. How many want to be wise? He who wins souls is wise. Well, you just said, Pastor Matt, nobody, none of us can save anybody. You can't. But you can be wise and tell people the good news of what Christ has done for them. You're winning them over to the truth. Amen. You're winning them over to reality. Reality is they're lost and they need a Savior or they're going to hell for eternity. That's reality. You want a reality show? That's it. You and I can be wise and win souls for the Lord. Amen. Let's ask ourselves the question one more time and then we're done. If soul winning is your job, would you still be employed? It is our job, it is our responsibility. You may not be able to reach as many as Joel Osteen or somebody like Billy Graham or someone like that that's on TV and on those networks, and the responsibility for them is incredible, but you can reach one soul at a time for Christ. Amen? And that is our goal here at General Shepherd. Say this with me. At General Shepherd, we are evangelistic and evangelical. At General Shepherd, we are soul winners. Because we care about the lost. And we have a heart for those that are lost. Amen. Amen. We want to be soul winners. Look at your neighbor and say, win some souls this year. Amen. Let's be soul winners this year. Amen. And have a heartbeat for that. How many have been stirred by the Lord? Amen. I think, honestly, each one of us realize is that we live in a country where laziness and slothfulness and procrastination and comfort and that's for the next person kind of attitude. No, you and I need to rise up and stop being slothful and lazy and making excuses. Amen? Amen. And let's do our part and let's start sooner than later. Amen? Amen? Sooner than later. Hallelujah. Lord, bless our church And bless those that have heard this message today, Lord, and I thank you, Lord. I've sensed, Heavenly Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you have stirred each one of us through your word and through the encouragement of the Holy Spirit that we are here to reach the lost, to be soul winners, to be a church that is not just evangelical, but evangelistic. We want to have a heartbeat of heaven beating on the inside of us and that is that your kingdom be expanded and enlarged, your family grow. You came for those that are lost and deceived and blinded, and you live on the inside of us. Help us to love them and bring them to a knowledge of the truth. And everybody said amen. Amen. Go in God's grace and peace and blessing be on you, and the boldness of God be upon you. If you need prayer for anything, how many believe that when we pray, answers happen? We pray in faith. Pastor Al will pray for you. Pastor Judy or I will pray. If you have an urgent need, anything that's heavy on your heart, we're here to minister to you and pray for you. We love you with the love of Christ. Go in God's grace. Amen. We love you. Bless the Lord.